Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, back in the 702. Let's put it like that. My man, Damon Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We always want to show them a lot of love. Appreciate them. I'm back at the home studio as training camp was underway again today for the Raiders at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. But, man, I'll tell you, when I say it's good to be back in the 702, I mean it. It is great to be back in the 702 after spending uh, what felt like a whole week away from the area in Cleveland, Ohio, for the for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, actually Canton, Ohio. But uh, really, man, it was. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is so great to be back, and it's great to be on the West Coast. If if you ever don't realize how important it is to be on a certain coast, cover some sports or do some radio shows from the East Coast. <laughs> Boy, it'll get you to appreciate the West Coast quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I know all our listening audience is not from the West Coast. I get it, but man, I'll tell you right now, it sure is a blessing to be able to do a radio show uh, and cover sports. By being on the on the West Coast, where by the time everything's over, uh, it's still early, right? I mean, on Friday night, I did uh, obviously unnecessary roughness, and then immediately after that, about an hour later, I hopped on ESPN National. But as anyone who listened to the show on Friday knows, I had to do it from the hotel room because the media center was closed at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I did it what would normally be 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. here in Las Vegas, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, right? Well, 6 to 10 p.m. On the East Coast is obviously 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. So about 11:30, Demond, no joke. About 11:30, all of a sudden someone start banging on my wall uh, at the hotel room, basically like, "Shut the hell up! We're tired of hearing you making all this noise." And so they banged on the wall, and it's like, "What can I do? One, I can't bang on the wall back like like normal Q would want to, because then I'm gonna start some stuff, and then they're gonna come to the door, and I'm still trying to do a radio show. And then two. I can't all of a sudden start whispering because I'm trying to do a radio show. So I'm kind of stuck in between. So I just, I did the best I could, but they only banged on the wall one time. But man, I'll tell you, I get it. It was late. Not to mention, uh, following the, the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, uh, I didn't get back to the hotel room until almost 2 in the morning following you know the game and post-game media and uh, locker room and then hopping on with Eddie Pascal uh, from Raiders.com doing a little post-game podcast as well. I did all that at the stadium, got back to the hotel at 2, and I still had a podcast to knock out, so I didn't finish that until about 4.30 in the morning. So I'm sure my neighbors next to me were not thrilled to hear me yapping about the Raiders at 2 a.m. But again, it goes back to being blessed to be back on the West Coast. You mentioned like covering sports, even watching sports. When yes. a game goes into overtime for us, yes. it's like, oh, great, more basketball, more football. But on the East Coast, I know you just got to be mad. Right, right. No, it, oh, man, I got to stay up and watch this game. Man, you're, it's so funny you mentioned that. I remember being in Central Texas, and I'd uh, you know, always be watching the Ranger game because I had to watch the Ranger game. I, mean, I enjoy baseball anyway, but because that was the team that we covered, I wanted to make sure to know exactly what happened the night before. So I'd be watching the game, and like you said, extra innings. All of a sudden, they go to extra innings. Like I tell the wife, oh, there's only, you know, there's only one more inning left. Then all of a sudden, uh, wife, it's extra innings. And she's like, yep, I'm going to bed. You know, it just, it, it just turned into to being so late. And, look, that's, 
that's uh that's only two hours difference here uh than here and and obviously on the east coast is three but yeah man uh i've been so blessed to be here on the west coast to be able to watch sports cover sports and talk about sports because man oh man uh, when you're on the east coast it is a different animal and then trying to adjust when you get back and uh, i mean look again all this is a, a blessing just to be able to do this anyway but the adjustment coming back was just an animal, man. I, I don't know. I felt like like I was uh, like had a tranquilizer hit me yesterday or something. I mean, we left the, the Raiders uh, Hall of Fame Cliff Branch party. That was awesome. I'm sure JT spoke a lot about it uh, during his show, but and I'll speak on it as well. But I mean, that show, I mean, that that uh, that party was just amazing. I mean, anytime you're at a party and Diana Ross is performing, that's all you really need to know. Right. I mean, that means that it's it's there's spared no expense. It's second to none. I mean, it's just an awesome event. So that was great. Seeing all the Raider alumni walking around there was great. You know, I was at an event earlier in the day and Mike Singletary was there. And then all of a sudden I pop up and I look and I see Mike Singletary there. So it's like there were so many different Hall of Famers at this event and obviously all in honor of Cliff Branch. That was amazing. I literally made a beeline from that party to the airport. And got on a very early flight and got back and landed in uh, in Vegas at 7 a.m. Well, about seven about 7:45 in the morning. And I thought, you know, I always have some kind of tales of my my travels where something goes wrong. So I thought, man, this is smooth sailing. I thought too soon, right? This is smooth sailing. Everything is good. Uh, the guy gets on, you know, the pilot gets on the 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 um, the loudspeaker and says, "Yeah, we landed about 30 minutes early, so that's all good." And I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And then he says. Uh, problem is there's another plane at our at our gate, so we're going to have to sit here. So we sat there, you know, just grounded for about, I don't know, about 20 minutes before we were able even to make our way up to the gate. And so I thought, okay, well, still, we're a little early. It doesn't matter. I'll grab my bags, head to the house, lay it on down, get some sleep. Man, why did it take an hour to an hour and 15 minutes to get our bags? All they kept saying over the loudspeaker was, uh, Spirit Airlines plane or whatever the whatever the number was um you can get your bags at carousel 11 then i'll send like 10 minutes later carousel 10 10 minutes later they're now going to be coming down carousel 9 but they're a little delayed and we're like yeah no kidding they're delayed we've been down here for this whole time so it was about an hour and some odd minutes before we actually got our uh, our bags and then i finally got to the house and was able to lay it down but i'm, I'm telling you demond have you ever been like where you're just kind of in a zone where you just you're like floating or something you know what i mean like you just really don't have any grasp like all all i kept hearing all day yesterday while i was at the house was man you look so tired i was just worn out like i was just in a i was almost in a fog you know what i mean have you ever been in that just fog where you don't really have an answer for it there's not enough sleep that's going to cure it but you know that it's there oh yes i've i've had that situation many a times and what's worse is you're thinking about the sleep. You're trying to calculate the hours. Maybe if I can get eight hours of sleep right now. But especially when that day's on a Sunday, you're already thinking about work the next day. Right. So you, right. that's ruining your sleep. You, it's like, oh, the weekend's over. I yep. got Now you're thinking about work the next day. So no matter how much sleep you get, it's not going to be enough. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I'm in that exact way. I, as much as I was laying it on down, I kept thinking, okay, well, what time is training camp tomorrow? What time is media tomorrow? Does Josh McDaniels talk tomorrow? Uh, where's the morning show going to do the show from? I mean, there were so many things that kept popping up, and I was like, man, I just want to go to sleep. So, uh, yeah, it, it's great to be back. It's great to be back into a regular routine and uh, be out there at, uh, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center to see some training camp. We did get one quick question on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. This comes from the 408. Q, was there any current players or coaches at the Branch Raider Hall of Fame party? No, they all flew back early. 
They flew back immediately after the game. So by Friday when we met with head coach Josh McDaniels, he was already back in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and he joined us by way of Zoom. So, yeah, they were, they were all already back. And, you know, it's funny that you asked that question because I was wondering as well if they were going to stick around for the ceremony because I've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame when there have been players that are on the current team of the, whoever they're honoring, they were there. Like the Cowboys, for example, uh, Jerry Jones, when he went in, and that was the same year that LaDainian Tomlinson went in, there was current Cowboys that were there at the, at the event. But uh, the Raiders, they went back. They decided to get back to the grind and get back on the film work and you know get a little R&R and do what they do. And so, no, uh, there was no players and, and current coaches at that party. But uh, please believe their presence was felt and Raider Nation's presence was felt. And uh, I'm just glad to be a fly on the wall and to be able to be there. But just to see so many gold jackets and so, see so many Raider alumni. And imagine this, and I tweeted it out at your boy Q254. Imagine walking down just a sidewalk and – the Hall of Famer Charles Woodson and the guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, Lester Hayes, are having a conversation, sitting at a bar having a conversation with, with each other. Like, I just took a picture and just stood back. You know what I mean? Because can you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine how many interceptions that is between the two of them? Can you imagine the greatness that is in that conversation? So just to be able to see, you know, conversations like that taking place and, and seeing uh, other greats talking to other greats, like Warren Moon, you know, Warren Moon chopping it up with – uh, you know, whoever whoever's out there. I mean, just everybody. It's just it was it was cool to be able to walk around and be a part of that event and know that that was a part of Raider history. And uh, Mark Davis got to give a you know tip the cap to him. He did a hell of a job throwing this party. Uh, JT the Brick was the MC for it. He did a hell of a job as well. So uh, I thought it was great, man. It was great representation. I was glad to be there. Like I said, I wasn't there for very long, but I was there for long enough. <laughs> if that if that makes sense, I don't. I ain't got to be there all night. Just want to be there part of the night. I got I got a picture with Charles Woodson, the goat. Tweeted that out. I was excited about that, and I started laying the groundwork for that Charles Woodson interview. Uh, that's the one. You know, that's the one that I've been talking about for the longest. Laying the groundwork. So me and Charles, we talked about it for a quick minute, and uh, everyone's like, "Well, why didn't you just do it then?" Charles was relaxed. He was having a good time. I was relaxed, having a good time. I'm not going to do an interview with Charles Woodson and not be at the top of my game. Right. And and I don't want it to be where it's so loud there because there's music and partying going on that you can't hear it because Charles Woodson's a guy that you stop and you listen to everything. So even though I went to the party with the mindset of, yeah, maybe I'll grab a couple interviews here and there. Once I got there and realized the, you know, the setting and how everyone was kind of feeling. Now, I did do some work. Don't get me wrong. I did some work. Talked to Rich Eisen from the Rich Eisen show, who you know comes on between before JT the Brick from 10 to 12, uh, made a good relationship with him, so he'll be on the show. I've been trying to work to get him on the show anyway, and it's so funny. Rich Eisen told me, he was like, man, I appreciate Raider Nation Radio 920. Whenever I'm in Las Vegas, people tell me all the time, I hear your show on Raider Nation Radio 920. So he's like, You're, you guys are, are, are making a nice impact in the community, which is music to my ears because that's what we're supposed to do is make an impact in the community. So he, uh, he was telling me about that and Hey, anything that I can do, um, I'm trying to schedule him to come in and actually do a show live from our studios at some point. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that I got, I got established while I was there, but when it came to trying to do an interview with someone like Charles Woodson, yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait just as long as he knows who I am. I obviously know who he is. And you know, we, we started that relationship. So Raider nation, that interview is on the way. I have not given up the hope. Because if you did get it and it's nothing but zoom, zoom, zoom in the background, people would be right. like, why'd he do it at the middle of the party? Right, exactly, exactly. And plus, I mean, you know, guys don't always want to be on work. Like, guys that are like me that are sick, 
We don't mind being at, you know, working all the time. I, I mean, I got that dumb sickness where I can walk around and be like, ooh, I should try to get that interview. Oh, let me get that interview. You know, sitting in the press box, sitting next to uh, Nick Shook from NFL Network. Hey, man, you want to come on the show tomorrow? Like, I mean, that's, that's how my mind is wired. That's just how I'm wired, which is not a bad thing. But at some point, you know, people always say, Q, you just got to turn it off for a little while. So to be able to turn it off for a little while and just be at the party and, and just soak it in and understand what it meant for – Mark Davis and the whole Raider organization to be able to honor Cliff Branch in the way that they did, I thought was amazing. You know, we'll talk about the whole Hall of Fame experience. Uh, obviously did the, the Cliff Branch special on Saturday morning uh, leading into the enshrinement ceremony, then went down to the enshrinement ceremony and uh, was there. Apparently I was on ESPN, didn't realize it, but apparently I was. My man Vegas Jess sent me a picture that I was on ESPN because they uh, when Cliff Branch was announced that, you know, he, he was going in next or whatever, they – they panned the camera over to all of Raider Nation, which, by the way, let me tip the cap to all of Raider Nation who represented at the Hall of Fame, man. I'm from, uh, you know, from Just Win Wendy to Silver and Black Panther. I mean, from everyone. I mean, there was everyone was out there. Gorilla Rilla was represented. There were so many uh, folks out there. Raider Homer was out there. I mean, just all kind of uh, Raider Nation was represented. And uh, it, was, it was so funny. I was walking around the Hall of Fame when Richard Seymour was talking, and he said, once a Raider, and all of a sudden you heard all of Raider Nation say, always a Raider, and they were the loudest cats in the building. I mean, Damon, when you want to talk about the loudest folks in the building, it was the Raider Nation that was celebrating and representing there on Saturday. It was fantastic. I mean, I immediately located them just by the way that they yelled and got loud. I was like, oh. I'm over there. I belong over there. So I went over there and uh, hung out, and apparently when they announced Cliff Branch on ESPN or on, on, at, at uh, Tom Benson Stadium, ESPN's camera panned over, and I was standing there, and I was doing the same thing, filming Raider Nation so I could tweet it out just to show how I was representing. And apparently in mid-turn or something like that, they caught me, and I was on camera, and, of course, I had my Raider Nation radio polo shirt on. So there you go. We got a little advertising on ESPN. Got a little advertising on the big stick. So there you go. So I'm saying. <laughs> if anyone, like, well, Vegas Jess did it, so someone out there noticed you. Yeah, yeah, Vegas Jess. And then Harry Ruiz hit me up, too. He texted in and said, hey, I just saw you on TV. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I didn't think too much of it. But then Vegas Jess broke it down. He was like, oh, I just saw you on ESPN. And then he went back and captured it and took a picture and sent it to me. So uh, that was pretty cool. All right, but, Q, yeah. I got a question for you. Okay. Because you mentioned it like how you're just so sick in the head. When I was at the UFC Apex for the fights this weekend – Someone said to me, if trying to schedule an interview, but it's on a Saturday, hey, just text me this weekend. Does that mean text me tomorrow? Yeah. Because I was like, oh, he said this weekend. And so in my mind, I just let it be. I text him today. It all works out. Yeah. But when he said, text me this weekend, but it's already Saturday, I was like, should I text him on a Sunday? I, I don't like to bother people on a Sunday. I would have. I have no problem, man. I, 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 and this is part of my problem. I have no problem bothering anybody on any day. I'll text someone on Christmas Eve. I'll text someone on Christmas. Hey, man, I know you're enjoying some time with your family, but you want to join the show on Monday? You know what I mean? Just I don't I, – I forget who it was, but I text somebody on Father's Day, and I was like, hey, happy Father's Day. By the way, can you uh, join the show tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, look, these guys – the one thing I know about these guys, they all want to work. You know, I mean, especially when it's a beat writer or something, they want to work. If they had just put out a piece, uh, like some kind of article that they wrote or something, they want to advertise that article. So a lot of times if someone just puts out a, a piece, what I'll do in my intro text will be like, hey, this is Q from, you know, Radio Nation Radio 920 here in Las Vegas. Good piece on Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Can you join my radio show on Monday to talk about it? And then, you know, that compliment kind of butters them up at the beginning. They're like, oh, thanks. And then they don't want to really say no. So, <laughs> so, but that being said, I got some good guests coming up today. 
got Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas in uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal. He'll be joining us at 2.30. It's his normal Monday spot. He was out at practice today and uh, got a lot to talk about when it comes to practice and some observations that we had. But Ed Graney will join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, I mentioned Dave Ziegler and Joshua Daniels in a piece out uh, that was written about him, right? Well, Jeff Howe from The Athletic is going to join us. He put out a piece about Dave Ziegler and, uh, and Josh McDaniels, and he actually put it out late last week, but he was really busy and traveling a lot, so we weren't able to connect, so we connected today. Matter of fact, it was so funny, you asked that question about texting over the weekend or whatever like that. Uh, I asked him to come on the show on Friday, and he couldn't do it, and he said, hey, let's try to connect next week. So I said, okay, no problem. So early this morning when I woke up, I said, today is next week. So I texted him. He's like, yep, okay, we'll take it. We'll knock it out. So, I, you know, one, he's probably just ready to get rid of me. And two, you know, it's next week. So it's, it's a technicality. I got him. Yeah, you're Johnny on the spot with that. I like to give people their space a little bit. Don't want to be too intrusive. But, yeah, you're, you're I'll go, I'll be go, intrusive. Go. I, don't need no, I don't need to give nobody no space. I don't need to give anybody anything. <laughs> I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy that they'll say, well, you know what? He sure didn't give up. He didn't quit. He kept on, he kept on pushing. So uh, it, it always works out really well. But Jeff Howell from The Athletic will join us at 3 o'clock. Then at 3.30, the Hall of Famer herself, Shereen Williams. I actually ran into her at the Hall of Fame on Saturday, took a picture with her, and tweeted it out. And it's always good to see her. And remember what John McClain asked on uh, last Tuesday? He said, hey, only thing I ask you to do is take a picture of my name and send it to me when you get to the Hall of Fame. Did remember, you? Oh, of course I did. Okay, okay, just had to check. I thought it was going to be but you were too busy. No, no, no. There's no buts when it comes to something like that. So I, I took a picture of uh, John McClain's name. I sent it to him. And then because him and Shireen are really close, after me and Shireen took a picture, I said, hey, here's a follow-up. I think you know these two people in this picture. And he, he hit me back like, yeah, yeah, I think I know you guys. And but he's, he's, you know, got a lot of love for Shireen Williams. They've been covering the league just about the same amount of time. Uh, you know, they really have uh, – forged a, a great bond and he actually introduced me to Shireen so uh, anyway long story short I talked to her on Saturday and uh, kind of planted the seed about her coming on today just to talk about the Hall of Fame experience talk about Cliff Branch talk about Lester Hayes she went to Texas A&M so of course she wants Lester Hayes to get into the Hall of Fame as well oh by the way she's a Hall of Fame voter uh, she's just she's just great when it comes to all things NFL so we'll talk to Shireen Williams coming up at 3.30. Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Raiders, talked to us this morning. It was supposed to be at 7.45 Pacific Standard Time. It turned out to be about 8.30. I think they changed the time about three times this morning. It went from being 7.45 to 8.45 to, oh, wait, hold on, here comes coach right now, and it was about 8.30. So it worked out. I mean, I was there uh, plenty early, got there around 6.30 this morning with uh, Vinny Bonsignor. So uh, we were there to basically open up the media center, so it was no big deal. Uh, we were there. I wasn't going to miss it. Uh, so you'll hear from him a few sound bites we have cut up from him. You'll hear around 4 o'clock. Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day comes up at 4.30. So plenty to get to on today's show. Very excited about today's show, as I'm excited about every single day's show, because that's just what we do. So now you know the guests that we have coming up. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so now that we're into the opening drive, let's talk about something that we saw in practice today. Uh, Head coach Josh McDaniels talked about... Josh Jacobs, that was the first thing that he had to talk about was Josh Jacobs to, to put that rumor to bed about uh, uh, the Raiders being out there trying to trade him. Uh, that was a conversation that really started going and started rolling ever since uh, Thursday, since the Hall of Fame game, and he was out there and ran about, what, carried the ball about, or touched the ball, what, 11 times was it? 
I don't know. Am I, am I, am I, I might be getting that confused with Zamir White. Anyway, he played in the Hall of Fame game, and that got everybody up in arms that the Raiders were trying to trade him. There was a lot of outlets out there that were putting out there. He was, uh, they were shopping him, and the Raiders were not. And so that was one of the first answers uh, that Josh McDaniels had this morning when he talked to us was about Josh Jacobs and the fact that they have big expectations for him this upcoming season. So that was one of the, the conversations that they kind of put to, to, put to bed, even though there will be some people that still won't believe him, even though he said it. But it's okay. So that was one of the conversation the other conversation that we wanted to make sure we had was about the guys that were injured you know the guys like Chandler Jones the Darren Wallers uh, you know uh, 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 Mullen uh, Trayvon Mullen you know uh, Jonathan Hankins Bilal Nichols the guys on the pup list you know how close are they to getting back and so he didn't really give a specific answer when it came to every single guy he just basically was very vague about the situation and said you know they're they're working their way back they'll be out there sooner rather than later so it's funny I did a hit on ESPN Las Vegas this morning like right after he talked and so Tyler Bischoff asked me hey do you think that you'll see Chandler Jones or Darren Waller out there. And I said, oh, based off Josh McDaniels' answer, no. I don't expect to see either one of those guys out there. Of course, that's what I said. And then I go, out into, the, I go into the indoor facility because that's where practice was, and Chandler Jones was practicing. So Darren Waller was not at practice, did not see him, but Chandler Jones was. So that was good to see the return of Chandler Jones. Now Darren Waller going to continue to monitor that to see when he actually returns to practice because at some point it has to become a concern, right? He only, he's only missed a few practices so far. He didn't make the trip to Canton, Ohio. It was not at the game. So, you know, you just kind of wait and see when it comes to Waller. But Chandler Jones returning, that was a good thing. Now, the other conversation that's being had, and I cannot confirm anything right now, so I'm not going to even try to BS you, but uh, there's a situation going on with Brandon Parker. Brandon Parker, uh, we all saw him on Thursday night uh, pretty much get obliterated. I mean, he just did not look good at that left tackle position, and I remember coming out of that game saying that that's a concern. Even though that's not his position, he'd normally be playing the right tackle spot, being a left tackle is, and him, him not being able to hold it down was a concern because you never know with injury – who could end up out there? If Colton Miller, for some dumb reason, gets injured and can't go, then Brandon Parker would be the next guy up, right? So he didn't look good doing that. And my thought was, okay, they probably have to go outside of the organization to get another guy, you know, bring someone else in. And I really was going to – basically the offensive line was something that I really wanted to focus in on this week and see how it continued to develop, see if Alex Leatherwood continued to get those reps and, and look better at that right tackle spot and see how Brandon Parker did. Well, problem is Brandon Parker wasn't out there today at practice, and he got banged up on Thursday. I know that for a fact because I remember me and Vinny both commented on him uh, grabbing his arm, and it just didn't look good. It looked like he was you know, kind of banged up in a major way. But then he returned to the game, so I thought, okay, cool. All's good. He returned to the game. Well, he wasn't out there today, and there's all kind of different reports out there right now, and nothing is official from anybody. Uh, and I don't care who it is right now until the Raiders actually send out uh, a statement saying that, uh, this is the injury that happened, or this is what's going on with this player. None of that is official, you know. And you know, there's a million people that have a million sources, and so I don't, I don't sign up for the sources thing until I know for a fact. Unless someone directly that I know, you know, inside that building tells me, then it, it is what it is. It's speculation at this point. But there is conversation that Brandon Parker may have hurt his tricep and that he could potentially be out for the season. I've seen, like I said, I've seen these reports out there in a major way. Where if that's really in fact what it is and we'll find out sooner rather than later if it is so there's no reason to you know hit the panic button but if it is we will find out about it and that's an area of concern you know even though he didn't look good at the left tackle position the Raiders depth takes a massive hit if he's not out there right I mean I, I don't expect him to be a starter 
I mean, I thought he was going to compete with Alex Leatherwood for sure, but I feel like Alex Leatherwood is going to get all the opportunity to, to be that guy, be the starting right tackle. But if Brandon Parker is out for any amount of time and, or potentially for the season, I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders offensive line, that takes, a, that takes a big hit, right? Then you're expecting a guy like Thayer Mumford, a seventh-round pick from Ohio State. You expect him to step up. You have other guys like Jermaine Illuminor. You expect him to step up. Alex Leatherwood has to step up, right? Then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's whoa, what's going on? All these guys, you know, someone needs to step up in a major way. So that could be a pretty big concern. So I want to throw it out there. We'll ask Ed Graney when he joins us uh, to start the next segment. If Parker is out for an extended amount of time or potentially even the season, what is your concern level with the Raiders' depth along that offensive line? Because, again, he's not, a, he's not a guy that you expect to be a starter, but he's at swing tackle. You expect him to be quality depth, right? You expect him to be a guy that in a pinch will go in there and hold it down. Again, none of the reports that are on Twitter, I want to make sure that I reiterate that, are anything official. Until the Raiders say it's official, it's not official. When they do, then that's a whole other conversation. But just because it's out there, and a lot of people are talking about it, I've got hidden up by – Eight or nine people already on Twitter telling me how official it is, and I'm like, look, I don't. It's not official until they say so. So uh, I do want to know what your level of concern would be if, in fact, he is going to miss some time, knowing that he is the first swing tackle, uh, you know, in, in line as far as the Raiders go. And then the other question that I want to throw out there is. Now that the Raiders are going into the second game week, I mean, this is going to be the rest of the league's first game week, but this is the Raiders' second game week. Who is it that you're interested in looking at at camp? Who is it that you want to hear about from camp? Who are you, you know, maybe you, you saw somebody in, in, in that game on Thursday and you're like, man, I want to know more about this guy. Who is it that you have your, your eyes on? Who is it that you got your ears open for that you're, uh, you're really paying attention to? And I'll, I'll go ahead and start and tell you that the guy that I was paying attention to the whole day of practice today was Nate Hobbs. I really, I really was. I'm very intrigued by what I saw from him during practice leading up to last week's game. I was very intrigued by what he did in last week's game and very intrigued again today from what I saw. Him running with Devontae Adams, him running with Hunter Renfro, him doing, you know, just all over the field. I, I just I feel like that this organization, I feel like Patrick Graham, Jason Simmons, the, the DB coach, I feel like these guys are really setting Nate up for a big potential year. I mean, really a big potential year. I think this could be – and I hate to say it like this because it's, I feel like I'm putting the cart way before the horse, but I feel like that he could have a big-time season, and this could almost be one of those like stars in the making. I really feel like this could be that fifth-round pick that no one expected to be a big-time player except for him, and now all of a sudden, after what he did his rookie year in the slot, everyone's like, whoa, this dude could do ma you know, major things, and he's going to end up being that leader in that secondary. And it's funny, next time we get to talk to him, I want to ask him how much Casey Hayward did for him. Because even in his rookie year, he kept saying that Casey Hayward really helped him, you know, mature as a as a corner in the league. Even though he was playing that slot, really just kind of helped teach him how to be a pro. So I want to ask him about Casey Hayward next time we get a chance to talk to Nate. But uh, what are your thoughts on Nate? You think he's in in line for a big year? Oh yeah, I do. And also Levi Edwards from Raiders.com had a tweet today that I really liked where he said, hey man, Devontae Adams, him coming in, that's also helped Nate Hobbs a lot just going up against him in practice. And yeah. you're seeing it as well when yep. you're saying, hey, you think he's poised for a breakout season where I think the sky's the limit for him, whether it be inside or outside, that versatility is really going to help as well. But I think that, you know, given the truth serum, he wants to play on the outside to show, hey, man, I've been doing it my whole career. I can do it at the NFL too. You know what's funny is I don't think he, he cares. 
You know, I know. I mean, that's what he said. He said that he doesn't care, and I know that that could just be like a player talking. I honestly think Nate don't care where he plays. I think Nate just wants to be on the field and and show everyone that he's a dog. I think that Nate could start out outside, and all of a sudden, as you know how the league is now, wide receivers, they line up all over the field. Like sometimes you'll see Devontae Adams go on the slide. I think he's one of those guys that if they want him outside, he'll go outside. But if they, hey, kick inside to go on this third down play, whatever. I think he'd say, okay, sign me up for that as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him try to, you know, line up against Travis Kelsey. I just, I, I, I just would not be shocked, you know, to see Nate take a major step forward this year. And it feels like they're really trying to work him in during training camp and get him going up, you know, best on best, going up against Devontae Adams, going up against Hunter Renfro, just to get that that burn, get that taste, you know, just like they were having Trayvon Merritt go up one-on-one against Darren Waller. That could do nothing but help these guys. So I, I feel like that they see a lot of potential in Nate that they just want to, you know, untap it. You know, they say, okay, it's there. It's untapped. Let's, let's, let's break it open now. Let's really show what he can do. He could, and I, again, I don't want to put the cart way before the horse. I don't want to get someone super overexcited about a second-year guy. But he could potentially end up being – one of the next really good DBs in the history of the Raiders. I mean, you know how the Raiders have been known for really good defensive backs in the past. They could be could have stumbled onto one here in Nate Hobbs in the fifth round. That's something to get excited about. But we'll ask uh, Ed Graney what his thoughts are on Brandon Parker and ask him his thoughts on the next player that he's looking you know looking at this week leading up to game number two in the preseason up against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Two twenty eight is the time when we come back. We'll be talking to Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and our and the Las Vegas Review Journal. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate and also the RJ just tweeted out, FYI, on speculation that Raiders' Brandon Parker has been put on IR, not accurate. So no denying that there's an injury there. No denying that he might miss some time. But saying he's been put on IR, as many different outlets have reported. And when I say outlets, I just mean people on Twitter. I'm not saying, like, outlets that uh, I believe are reputable. I'm just saying that, you know, everyone has a, a source and everyone has a, an outlet when they're on Twitter. So there's a lot of speculation that he's been put on IR and is out for the season, according to Vinny. It is not accurate. Join us right now on the phone lines, who is Vinny's uh, tail, er, tailgate, his uh, tag team partner, uh, Ed Graney from the RJ and also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. And, Ed, thanks for your time. We didn't see Brandon Parker out there. I know you saw the speculation as well that he could be out for an ex- uh, extensive amount of time, potentially even up to a year. Uh, it sounds like he's probably injured, but he might not miss a whole lot of time. Not too sure yet. Again, that was just a very vague tweet from Vinny. But if Brandon Parker is out for a while – uh, yeah. How big of a hit is that for the Raiders' offensive line depth? I mean, it's a big hit for their depth. I mean, we know that Brandon really struggled on the left side the other night, but he's more of a right-side guy. So I would think for their depth, it's a huge hit. Um, you were there, Q. I wasn't, but I heard people say in the locker room he was favoring his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you knew something was wrong, but I do believe, believe any sources in that it hasn't been done yet. It doesn't mean it can't still happen, right. but as of yet, it hasn't happened, and if it does, uh, you feel for the uh, player, right? I mean, to be out that long and you know, and, and to have that kind of injury stinks. But then get back to the drawing board, and I think you know, finally, what we've waited for for a long time is they'd have to go out and get somebody and start signing people. I don't know who's 
available or out there, but they'd need a body for sure, if not a couple. Right, and it feels like that they've been pretty comfortable with where they're at for a while because I thought once they got that money freed up uh, and free for salary cap space that they would have already gone and made a few moves, and they really haven't. They've made little minor moves here and there, but uh, it seems like that they were pretty comfortable with that rotation in that offensive line room. Yeah, it did, but I don't know about now. I, you know, we all, you and I both said that you know we're going to wait for the waiver wire. Teams, I mean, there's only two teams that have played a game. Right. So, you know, I mean, there's so much of the preseason still yet to go. You don't know who's going to go down. You don't know who's going to get hurt. You don't know who's going to be let go. So I think they're, they're, I mean, look, they're definitely, even if Brandon Parker was okay today, I still don't think, and I don't think you do, still thought they were okay on the line, that they would right. still make a move. But this precipitates it now. I mean, if he's hurt, and I think we both agree he's hurt, they're going to have to do something. Right, agreed, 100%. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal does a fantastic job with both. Now, Ed, as far as uh, this week, this is the second week of, uh, of a game week for the Raiders, not for every other team in the league, but for the Raiders. So is there a guy that maybe caught your attention on Thursday night that you really kind of want to pay attention to either in practice or you'll be focused in on, on the game on, uh, on Sunday? No, just, I mean, I'll keep watching the line. It's kind of, it sounds kind of boring, but, um, you know, let's look at, you know, Alice Leatherwood now. I mean, you know, this is an opportunity for him to really prove, you know, he can take that spot and be with it. Um, so I'm always, I've never, I tell you what, you, I was laughing the other night because I've never been more interested in an offensive line in my entire life than I am now. Um, I used to never really care who's the offensive line. I'd watch the ball the entire time. But I found myself zoning in on them every play. You know, you saw you saw Brandon struggling. You saw other guys playing well. So I'm going to still watch them. Um, they can do more than the Vikings, obviously, because this will be their second game. As Josh McDaniel said, they're going to clean some things up, and they're going to have a, an opportunity to do that more so than the Vikings. So I'll be interested to see who plays offensively, right? I mean, does he still sit all those guys? Um, and, uh, you know, what happens with Josh Jacobs after all the speculation? You know, do they still play five running backs and give five guys carries? Probably. So those are just some of the things I'm looking forward to. I'd love for some of the offensive guys to play, but I also understand that you want to protect those guys because you have a chance to be really good on that side of the ball. Yeah, no, they really do. And as far as Josh Jacobs is concerned, of course, that's been the speculation ever since we all saw him play on Thursday that maybe the Raiders are trying to showcase him and uh, potentially trade him. And Josh McDaniels, that was one of the first conversation pieces that he addressed today in his uh, media session that, no, they have big plans for J.J. And, of course, it could always be coach speak, but I really tend to believe him when, when I hear that just because, one, Josh Jacobs is going into the final year of his deal. It's at a pretty pretty decent amount of money, only like $2 million, and we all know what kind of player he is. Like, this team has an opportunity to be special offensively. Why wouldn't you want your best running back out there? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I, I believe McDaniels. I mean, I think he went out of his way today to uh, mm-hmm. be asked that and to, and to answer the question because I do think he wanted to get out there. They're not trading him. You hit it on the head. He's in, the, he's in a rookie deal, which costs him very little money. He's run for 3,000 yards and, and a little more than 3,000 yards in three years. Um, what would you get for him now? Even if he walks in free agency, they'll get a compensatory pick. That pick could be higher than you'd even get right now. Right. Let's say the compensatory pick's a third-rounder. Is someone giving up a third-rounder for Josh Jacobs now? Maybe. Maybe not. It depends on who it is. You could get a team that has bad injuries in camp and has to overpay. But, you know, running backs in this league, you know as well as anyone. I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but, you know, there's a lot of running backs on each team, and, and teams don't want to give up draft picks. So I just don't see the reasoning behind trading them. I mean, Right. You know, if this is the fifth year and he makes $9 million or something like that, that's one thing. But they have no problems with the cap. In fact, you know, they have plenty of room in the cap. Like you said, he doesn't make much at all. 
and he's a lead back who's proven he can, you know, I mean, he, he came back a little in his numbers last year, got hurt a little, but still he's over 3,000 yards in three years. It just makes no sense to trade the guy. You don't trade rookies on their contract when, now, do I think he'll come back after the next year? I think he's going to have to be really good for that to happen because right. these guys, McDaniels and, and Ziegler, have been known to, as Vinny was saying earlier today, Vinny was saying, you know, they're really good at using the compensatory picks and, and, and building that way. But that's next year. That's something else to worry about, and they don't have to worry about it now. So I, I'm with you on that. I, I just see no reason to trade the guy. It doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. But I'll tell you what, the fourth-round pick out of Georgia that they drafted is Amir White. Not only yeah. is he uh, a fun dude, you know, we let, we found out that he has a couple horses back uh, in in Georgia or wherever he lives, he has a couple horses. But uh, he, he's also a hell of a running back. And when you saw him rolling on Thursday, kind of getting behind those pads and rolling downhill, man, what would you think about that rookie? Really, really tough kid, and we we all know his background. Um, mm-hmm. You know the physical problems he endured as a child, um, the two ACLs. Anyone who does two ACLs and comes back and makes the NFL, um, obviously a really tough guy. There's not much that I think would, would phase this guy, given what's happened in his life. Um, I like that he had three catches. That was kind of the knock on him coming out of Georgia. Would he be able to catch the ball in the NFL? And in this offense, you know, you're out here every day. You better catch the ball as a running back out of this offense. Um, you're gonna have to catch the ball. So. I thought he played really, really well, and, you know, it's good. It's good to give, if not Josh Jacobs, it's good to give those other guys, you know, a wake-up call in the room. I don't know how many they're going to keep, but I tell you what, for a, guy, for a lot of guys on one-year deals, Zamir White kind of gives them a long-term, you know, cushion there, uh, being a rookie on his deal, and if he plays like he did the other night, um, I think the sky's the limit for the kid. You know, it's funny talking about the running back room. I, I've been, obviously, I'm very high on Josh Jacobs, Amir White, what they could bring to the table as a one-two punch. I've been kind of on the fence when it comes to Kenyon Drake because I feel like there's a chance and an opportunity that he may end up being the odd man out for the Raiders and that if anyone might get traded, maybe they look to move him because Brandon Bolden, in my opinion, can do yeah. Kenyon Drake like like things. I was talking to someone today who said the exact same thing because we were kind of laughing at Josh Jacobs being traded, but then the answer was, well, what about Kenyon Drake? You know, would he be the guy that they would move? Um, you know, it looked like he got dinged the other night. You were there, and then he yep. came out, but then he, went back, but then he went back in. Still a versatile guy, still can do a lot of things, so there might be some value there. Um, I don't know what they would get for him on the market. Um, we were talking about what Josh Jacobs would be you know, right. be worth, so I don't know what Kenyon Drake would take on the market in terms of the money also. But you're right, if, if you know, I don't think it's a flip of the coin right now. If you're asking me which one would be moved over those two, I would say Drake would be moved, if, if any of them are going to be moved at all. Right, exactly. We're talking with Ed Graney here from uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, also the RJ, the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Devon's got one for you. Yeah, Ed, Coach McDaniels, he's still being cryptic about Darren Waller. He's missed a couple of practices now. Would you be surprised if Darren Waller just doesn't play at all this preseason? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised, Damon. I, I don't know what the injury is, but again, he's he's valuable to them, um, and I don't know how many, much any of those dudes are playing in terms of uh, Devontae, Hunter, uh, Darren Waller, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's gone through entire preseasons without playing, so nothing would surprise me when it comes to their main weapons. Um, McDaniel, you know, he's, he's like any NFL coach. He's cryptic. Not many are very open about injuries. They'll sometimes right. give up a little, but they're, they're not going to tell you everything, so you know, when he says everyone's working themselves back, I have no idea what that means. I don't think anyone does. Um, but it would not surprise me if guys like that got varied a little little to no time at all, especially him. If he's working himself back from injury, I don't know if they'd ever think it's worth it throwing him into a game that means nothing. Ed, what have you thought of Josh McDaniels so far since he's been the Raiders head coach? Because I'll tell you, for me personally, 
even when the rumors started that he was like the leader in the clubhouse, I kept thinking, oh, great, it's going to be some kind of New England influence, and, uh, you know, he's not going to give us very much uh, media availability. Like, I was thinking selfishly. I was thinking we're not going to hear very much because all I could think of is Bill Belichick giving one or two word answers. Uh, but I've been completely wrong. Like, I, I've, I'm really growing to like the guy who is Josh McDaniels, and not to mention he's a heck of a coach. What have you thought about him so far? Exactly the same, and I thought exactly the same of you of him coming in. Um, I thought, oh, gosh, here we go. It's going to be a lot of very short answers, not giving up much. Now, there's some truth to the behind it, and this isn't just him. This is a lot of coaches that can talk a lot, and you go back through the, you go back through the script and the transcript, and like, okay, what, what, how much was really said? <laughs> Didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, but he does give us – he does, you know, he stands up there, he answers every question, he gives long answers, yep. uh, gives quotes you can use. I, I just wrote a column on Jacobs. Uh, I thought he had two really good quotes in there that I used. So pleasantly surprised about him when it comes to that. Um, you know, they've had a lot of New England influence of how they built the team of him and Ziggler, but right. um, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I had I had thoughts of, uh-oh, here we go. It's just going to be, you know, very little access, and, you know, he's not going to say very much, and, you know, maybe that was unfair to judge him, yeah. but I, he's he surpassed that by a lot. At least, I th- at least I think so. I think he surpassed it by a lot. No, I do too. I, and, and, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying that, hey, <laughs> I thought the guy was going to be one way. He's another way. I yeah. think GM Dave Ziegler has been great. I mean, he, you know, talks to us when he's walking around practice. He'll, you know, and I don't mean having long conversations, but he acknowledges us and, hey, how are you guys doing or whatever like that and understands we have a job to do and they have a job to do. But, um, you know, if they come with well, some. We can feel good about it, Q, because we weren't the only ones who thought this. Right. No, no, for sure. For sure. We might be the only ones that admit it out loud, but, you know, we, we were definitely not the only ones that thought it. And and the other day I thought was really cool, uh, Ed, is, is uh, Josh McDaniels dialed up a, a play for Cliff Branch on the first play of the Hall of Fame yeah. game where they attempted to go deep. I thought that that was really cool, really embracing the spirit of who the Raiders are and, of course, Cliff Branch. You asked that question, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yep. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, that, that was cool. And and that's what you should do. I mean, it's a preseason game. You know, your quarterback's not out there. Um, Cliff Branch meant so much to this franchise, and you know, obviously, everyone wished he was here to to celebrate it and, and for him to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, sadly, that did not happen. So, for Josh to draw that up, I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a good question by you, and I thought, you know, for him to say that he did that, made you know, really made you think that he was thinking about the weekend and what it meant to the organization. You know, coaches are so tunnel visioned, right? They're so. Yep into like, oh, what are we going to do? And how are we going to script this first drive? And even with all backups, you know, because they all want to win and, and, and they're so tunnel-driven. Um, I thought for him to think about that and to draw that play up was really cool because it gave you the, you know, it gave you the sense, him going home and all that, that the, that the weekend meant a little more to him, you know, than just the game. Exactly. Yeah, no, I did too. I thought that was really cool. And like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised with uh, everything that's been going on since this new regime has taken over. And it feels like the direction of the team is going in the way that it should be going. Of course, they've got to go yeah. out there and execute on the field yeah. and, and they got to avoid injury. But it seems like everything is going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they, I thought, you know, there's some sloppy stuff at the end the other night, but I thought for the most part, they, you know, they look pretty clean. And he's going he's gonna to see a lot more than you and I will and right. when he watches the film. Um, so I'm sure, you know, as a, as a coach, he thinks there's a million things to fix and, and to clean up. That's what coaches do. But sitting back and watching it, um, pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I, I've, I've never watched an offensive line this much, and I'm going to do, do so again on Sunday. Um, but, you know, if they can get that short up, I think, they're, I think this, isn't, this, this is obviously they're going to have to make a move at some point, if not a few. Um, they get that short up, uh, and they keep, you know, they keep improving and fixing things. I, I think people are going to be really, really excited to see what happens you know, when the starters are in there.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, good stuff, Ed, as always. You said that you, you didn't put tell out me a... about the party. How was the party, buddy? Oh, man, look, Diana Ross was out there performing at oh. the party, man. You know, and you got Charles Woodson and Lester Hayes having a conversation with each other. Yeah. You have, you know, Hall of Famers everywhere. Uh, it was fantastic, man. I don't know what time I left, but I know it was it was fantastic. I can tell you that. I saw your tweets, man. I, I know you had a great time. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a great time. That is for sure. Now, uh, the traveling back and getting back to town and trying to get reacclimated to the the time zone change and everything. Now, that's a whole other story, but uh, right. that's that's something to deal with on another day. But, uh, Ed, great stuff. I know you said you wrote great. about Josh Jacobs. Uh, what, what what do you got coming out that we need to look out for? Josh Jacobs calling tomorrow about how I'm not being traded and, um, you know, press box will go over uh, the, the Golden Knights just signed Nick Watto, big contract. I'm sure they'll have a lot of that and uh, more Raiders stuff. So a lot of busy on both sides of things. Was that a good signing? Because I've seen mixed reviews on Twitter about that. Uh, Adam and I thought he got more than we thought he was going to. He got $3 million average over five years. They only had four-plus four, four plus left in the cap, so they're going to have to do something because they still have Lecision and, and, and um, Nick Haig to sign, so okay. they're going to have to do something else. But we thought, uh, we thought he'd get less than that. I mean, good for Nick Haig and good for, or excuse me, good for Nick Wong, good for his agent, um, but we thought five at three was a little, little higher than we would have thought. All right, there it is. I knew I, I I knew I didn't know, and I knew that there were so many mixed reviews that I thought I better ask somebody that's in the know. So there you go, Ed Graney, uh, you're our, our go-to guy for all things. So uh, we definitely appreciate you this afternoon, my man, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, there he goes. Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, on the press box with Tyler Bischoff, and then also does the our L, Las Vegas Review Journal, writes a lot of fantastic stuff and has an article coming out on Josh Jacobs tomorrow, so check that out. 2.48 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We're scheduled to have Jeff Howe from The Athletic join us about 3 o'clock. He is currently en route to his hotel, so he's going to hit us as soon as he's available. Uh, I don't want him to be trying to talk with us and uh, and drive at the same time. That doesn't work out too well. And uh, also at the same time, trying to use GPS to try to get to where you're going. So I know how that is and don't want him to have any kind of uh, struggles to get where he's going. So he's going to hit us up. So we may not have Jeff Howe at 3 o'clock, but at some point throughout the course of the show, we'll have him from The Athletic to talk about his piece he put out on Dave Ziegler and also head coach Josh McDaniels. But right now, Love to hear from you on the phone lines. They're wide open like some old-school TV antennas, 702-365-9200. Want to know your thoughts on Brandon Parker? Sounds like he's injured and is going to miss some time, but nothing has been uh, concrete, set in stone, that he's going to be out for a long period of time, or IR, like many have suggested already. That could end up being true, but right now, as I said, nothing concrete, and I just I hate big-time speculation, but it does feel like that there's some kind of injury. We saw him get hurt on Thursday at the Hall of Fame game, and he was, you know, favoring his uh, his right arm during uh, in, in the in the locker room following the game. So there's that. Also from Field Yates and ESPN, the Raiders uh, worked out nose tackle Danny Shelton today. Danny Shelton's a guy that's very familiar with the Patriots and and uh, and uh, obviously uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. They're all familiar with him as when he spent time with the Patriots. So uh, there's a familiar face that the Raiders tried out today and worked out today. He's had another workout before. I think he's a seven-year vet in the league, uh, but he's a big-time run stuffer. 
I remember Danny Shelton, when he was coming out of college, I thought, hey, man, the Raiders should go and get that guy just because he's a big-time player. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with any kind of signings or any kind of uh, roster moves that may happen between now and then. Uh, we'll give them to you as soon as we get them. So uh, let us know about it at 702-365-9200. Our Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, if Brandon Parker is going to be out for some amount of time, how concerned are you with the depth of the offensive line? And then who is a player that you'll be really paying attention to or want to hear more about this week leading into preseason game number two against the Minnesota Vikings? Let's go out to the phone lines and talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Q. Uh, for, to answer your first question, man, what a what a big hit that's going to be on the offensive line. Uh, because, but I think the line is going to be better than you think. Because when you got to go against our defensive ends that we got on our team, you can't you you have no alternative but to get better. Otherwise, we're, we're going to be in a lot of trouble on the offensive line. But as far as depth, we simply can't have any injuries. But I expect them for them to go out there, and they got no choice. Like you guys said, they don't have much choice now but to find somebody. I don't even know if you can wait for somebody to drop. You either got to find some kind of way to get a trade done, or just pick somebody up. And there must not be anybody out there. That'd be interested to know, you know, from UQ who would possibly be out there. To answer the other one, uh, my man that kept dropping the ball. Because to be honest with you, he was open. <laughs> yeah. That game. Yeah, he yeah, was. He kept, he kept dropping the ball. I, and I would force freedom. I wouldn't care for his interception. I would tell him, hey, look, for this series, he gets every pass. And if you don't come down with the ball, we don't want to hear from you the rest of camp. Okay. <laughs> and so, and so I, that would just get your popcorn and just force freedom. Here, here's the ball. You're getting every play. You're the primary. At least for that one series. You can't do that every play. For that one series, he, he, and he get the ball every single play and, and see if he catch the ball. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for that call, my man. You're talking about T-Billy, Tyron Johnson right there. And, yeah, he put a couple on the ground. Look, the dude could play. There's no no doubt he could play. We saw him make a really good uh, sideline catch, got his feet inbounds. You know, Josh McDaniels, over, uh, he uh, he challenged the play when they called it uh, not a catch, and, and he got it down. So, I mean, you know he has ability, but – Again, something that myself and DeMond have talked about quite a bit on the show is consistency. What is he going to give you consistently? He could be open all he wants, but it don't matter if you're open if you're putting the ball on the ground. It just does not matter. And, you know, for him to have a big-time play uh, like he had and had an opportunity to just to make a huge impact and not get it, that's, uh, you know, that, that's a problem. Now, it was the first preseason game, so maybe – Maybe you'll see more from him later on moving forward, and he'll be more consistent. But uh, that's a big drop in a bad moment, right? I mean, that could have been a huge play for the Raiders, so something to pay attention to. Um, and, yeah, the depth of the offensive line would definitely take a massive hit if, uh, if Brandon Parker is going to miss some time. And I'll tell you right now, there's, you know, there's a couple guys that, that the Raiders could go out there and sign that are free agents right now, like Daryl Williams. Uh, he's out there from the Buffalo Bills. He's still out there available. Um, Dwayne Brown, you know, from the Seattle Seahawks, he's out there and available right now. I would not close my eyes to looking at Tevin Jenkins, though. I would not I would not do that. Tevin Jenkins was a guy that was drafted by the Bears a year ago, and um, he, he just hasn't really fit in with that Chicago team, hasn't fit in with that coaching staff, hasn't really fit in very well there at all. But he's a guy that a lot of Raider Nation wanted the Raiders to draft when they had the opportunity to go get Tevin Jenkins. And I know that Champ Kelly was in Chicago when he was drafted, and so Champ Kelly had a lot to do with 
the, uh, the, the, the draft eligible guys, you know, putting together the, the draft board. He did. So uh, if he believes that Tevin Jenkins has something that's worth the salt, that he could bring something to the table and he's a young player, I would not at all uh, be opposed to the Raiders going out and making a trade and going to get Tevin Jenkins. That probably would be my favorite just because he might not necessarily help you a lot right now. Like he's not going to just walk in the door and just be an instant fix to any problem that you have. But I could see him being a, a, a big-time fix to any issues you may have later on down the road. That might be one of those where you see it and say, hey, man, that looks good right there. That looks like something that uh, we could potentially use in our favor a little bit later on down the road. So I uh, definitely appreciate that call. 2.59 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, get to Mitch in New Jersey and a couple of other calls, and we'll see what time we're going to talk to Jeff Howe. Uh, we'll just keep this party rolling. It's what we do. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.